Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and welcome to the show where we dig deeper to understand what really matters most in business. Today, I'm pleased to welcome someone whose mission is to help create great places to work. And I'm pleased to welcome Julian Chapman, who's the president of Forrest & Company, also the author of the book, The Managerial Leadership Journey. Julian, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Thanks so much, Dave. It's great to be here today. It's a pleasure to have you. So I, I want to jump in right away off, off the, um, the show intro here that you're in the business of creating great places to work. And you mentioned that it starts with articulating a strategy. Can you speak to Absolutely, that? Absolutely, Dave. The, you know, and what we actually like to say is, is that we help create great places to work that deliver the strategy. And what that in effect means is the tension between the people and task. And so the idea behind strategy is that strategy drives the behaviors inside an organization. And what I also like to say is, is that we as human beings exist inside organizations to actually deliver the strategy. But sometimes we lose sight of the strategy. We don't get it right. We're not clear. Uh, we drift off it. All sorts of things happen. And that's where organizations tend to drift and uh and, and lose their way, I guess is the best way to say it. Yeah, so when you think of strategy, I mean, I, I think of it as sort of a living document, right? There's a, there's a general uh, direction that we're headed, but strategy has to be responsive, reactive, and also proactive. So how, how do you navigate those waters of, I'll call it uncertainty, Julian, and articulate a strategy that's effective? No, it's a, it's a brilliant point, Dave, because we, we hear it all the time. People say, I can't think that far out because who knows what the world's going to be about. But the strategy in, a, in effect is your North Star. It's the direction. It's what your spirit of your organization is about and where you want to go. And far too often we conflate the words strategy and strategic planning into strategy. But by strategy, what I mean is that definition that clarity of what is the spirit of this organization? What do we want to be when we grow up? I mean, even, even as human beings, we need a strategy for our lives. We need to figure out what do we want to do? Otherwise, we just maneuver ourselves and wander down the particular path. We don't have to be absolutely crystal clear, but we have to have an idea of what direction we're going. And then we can always adjust as circumstances change and the world changes around us. Yeah, so it's a little bit nebulous when you think about you know formulating a strategy. Like you said, you need one, you got to do one. But what what's the mechanics of actually putting a a strategy in place? Well, the, the way I describe it is, and the way the way I see it is, is that the role of strategy is to define first of all what is our vision, what's our mission, what's our purpose. Those are always kind of the standard elements. But when you're doing strategy work, you have to explore things like, well, what truly is our unique selling proposition here? What is our sustainable competitive advantage in the marketplace? Who is our target audience? And what are some objectives down the road that we want to try to achieve? As well as how do we lay ourselves out? How do we organize ourselves somewhat into sort of lanes to deliver that strategy? And then ultimately, what is the organizational spine? Now, I've given you my strategy in a box kind of uh, perspective, yeah. but uh, but that's uh, that's the essence of it. Got it. So, and, no, go ahead. 
Well, I was just going to say the, the only other piece to that is, is deciding who actually is accountable for the strategy. And I, I argue that governance is accountable for the strategy. Now, that may require the executive to help you deliver that and to help you create it because they've got the wherewithal to do it. But it's ultimately up to governance. In other words, the board or the owners to decide on the strategy. It's not the executive to decide on the strategy. Their job is to do the planning that comes from that strategy. Right. So you've covered the planning and you talked about the governance component. Let's talk about the execution piece because that falls down to, we'll call it the managerial level. Very much so. So part of this is, is that coming out of that strategy is the need for clear structure. And all too often, our structures actually drive our strategy. You know, euphemistically, it's like Fred, Joe, and Sue are here. What are we going to have them doing? As opposed to, this is our strategy. What are Fred, Joe, and Sue going to do in this strategy? And, and that's an important piece. And one of the things that we find is, is that managers don't have a good enough understanding of what structure is all about. You don't understand, for example, how many, how many layers do we need in an organization? There are frameworks that are out there, but there needs to be a proper framework. And as to how many layers do we have, what are the functional alignments, and then how do we work across the organization? Over 75% of the work gets done laterally in an organization, but we don't spend the time to really define how does that work get done laterally who provides service to whom, who, uh, who has the power to say, no, I don't think you should be doing that because that's not in line with my scheme. And, and all of those various aspects need to be defined and clarified. Yeah, and this is a, a universal tenet that you've seen, Julian, across industries and, and different size businesses? Absolutely. It's often what we do is we we think we have an idea because you know we use our intuitive thinking and we go well we think that this is how we should do it but we don't necessarily have a framework in our business uh, we rely on a on a science approach uh, base for organizational structure which is referred to as stratified systems theory but the premise of that is is that you design the organization around the nature of a complexity and in order to define the nature of the complexity, you have to define the strategy. How complex a business is it? Is it a huge multinational with various business units that are dis, uh, disambiguated and separated? Or is it a single unit business, in which case it's got a different number of levels that are required? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the accountability component. And I want to make sure that we're going to make a distinction between the accountability piece and the responsibility piece. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, an interesting challenge. The English language has these two words, accountability and responsibility. And if you look up in the Oxford English Dictionary and you look up accountability, it says see responsibility. And you look up responsibility, it says see accountability. It doesn't necessarily help us. But a, a, a scenario that I'd like to present to you is, is that if you think about defining these words as a responsibility is a personal feeling of obligation. It comes from inside me. It's how I respond versus accountability, 
which is a component of a relationship. In other words, it comes from my manager. It's I am held to account for it. All too often, we rely solely on people's sense of responsibility, their personal feeling of obligation. And instead, what we need, first of all, is we need clarity of accountability from our managers, and then we can engage our sense of responsibility. And that's, you know, whether it's uh, whether it's divided that way, and some people talk in terms of accountability as a personal accountability, the premise of accountability is the nature of consequence, either good or bad. You know, when, when employees say that, you know, 76% of employees say that they are feel underappreciated by their manager. That means that that manager is not engaging in an accountability conversation to acknowledge what they've done and to engage with them and to help them through their work. So when, instead what happens is we rely on a sense of responsibility. The analogy that I use for a sense of responsibility is if you've ever seen eight-year-olds playing soccer, that's a responsibility-based organization. Some are picking flowers. Some are, you know, clustered around the ball, fighting for the ball. Some, their parents have taught them that only good little boys and girls score. So they're getting that ball and they're going to run with it and they're going to, they're not going to pass it to anybody. They're just going to go and score on their own. That's what happens in organizations that are solely driven by responsibility because each of us is different. We are all different and we all have different senses of responsibility. So accountability is the professional soccer team where we pass the ball back and forth. And when we score, we score as a team. Everyone knows their role. Everyone knows how they're to support one another. We have specific plays and away we go. That's my quick analogy for accountability and responsibility. Yeah, and I'm glad you shared that with us because uh, I know that's a very important distinction. And the analogy, I think, resonates for anybody who's ever seen eight-year-olds play soccer. Julian, for uh, folks watching and listening, if they want to learn more about you, how they can work with you, what's the best way to get in contact? Uh, the best way to reach out to us is the managerialleadershipjourney.com is the website for the book or Forest and Co. Forest is in the trees with a double R, A-N-D-C-O.com. Those are the fastest ways to get a hold of us or just Google me and you'll find me there. Yeah, you're also on LinkedIn as well. Absolutely. Julian, we're going to take a quick pause here. This is a good time to take a break for a commercial. So you sit tight, you at home watching and listening. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick break. Hi, I'm Bob Hokertle from Kings Road Brewing Company. I'm here to tell you about a brand new show on RVN television called Cooking with the King. Each week, we're going to taste and sample some of the best beers the Kings Road Brewing Company has to offer. And we're going to talk to area chefs and restaurant owners as we pair our beer with their signature dishes. We're going to teach you how to cook and eat like a king. Cheers. A stroke can be easy to detect. A loved one can't speak. Perhaps they can't move. But there's another sign of a stroke that many of us can't see. It's called spatial neglect, and it can occur during or after a stroke, causing distorted visual movements. Fortunately, there's a solution by using optical prism technology during rehabilitation. 
If you or a loved one have experienced a stroke, ask your doctor about spatial neglect. Spatial neglect. See the whole picture at KesslerFoundation.org. Are you burned out, disenfranchised, disengaged, extremely distracted? Do you feel that you're lost in semantics, over-leveraged, overwhelmed? My name is Lisa Fertali, and I have a show on RVN TV, always streaming. The name of the show is The Neuroscience of Wealth and Well-Being. The intention of this show is to explain how you can get back to homeostasis, flow states, creativity. It's highly correlated with happiness and well-being. So you can get out of overwhelm, get out of burnout, not feel distracted, and get back to your life. You will hear from experts who will get you back on track so you can enjoy your life again. RVN TV, we're always streaming. And welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and we're talking with Julian Chapman, who's the president of Forrest & Company, and also the author of The Managerial Leadership Journey. Uh, and Julian, that's where I want to start this second segment. I want you to tell us a little bit about the book, what inspired you to write it, and where we can get it. No, that's a great uh, great question, Dave, because I, I, during the pandemic, around the 13th of March 2020, I came to this realization, how was I going to add value to my clients? So I started writing a weekly missive. And as you pointed out earlier before the, uh, our commercial break, it gets published every week on LinkedIn. But uh, I was approached then, if I'm writing this weekly missive, which I still write three years later, uh, why don't I turn that into a book? Well, unfortunately, it was one of those cases where the, the missives were merely as the weeks were going by. So there was no thread. So I had to start from scratch uh, on writing this book, but it's the essence of the foresting company experience. It's the essence of my experiences as both a managerial leader and a teacher of managerial leaders. And let's let's dive in a little bit because the thing that, that's fascinating most about the title is managerial leadership journey. And I was actually just in a uh, training, couple of training sessions yesterday that uh, certainly articulates that idea that really, it really is an evolution, it is a journey. But I want you to speak to that and what that means to you and to your clients. Well, there, there are three elements to that. One is the managerial leadership. Well, actually, yes, those, those are two of them, right? So the idea of these two things come together, management and leadership. You cannot be successful and have one without the other. They have to come together. And so it's both the management and the leadership side of things. And, and so managerial leadership is the one common role in all organizations. Doesn't matter whether you're in the private sector, the public sector. We have all sorts of expertise, but we don't have a commonality to managerial leadership. So that was part of the, uh, the point that I was trying to get across. And the other is, is that it is a journey. It's not a one and done thing. You don't take a course, get your secret decoder ring or whatever the case may be. You actually go on this journey. And I used my own journey, uh, starting off as a, uh, as, a young, uh, as a young soldier and then as a, uh, a young officer in the Canadian Army, growing up with this notion of leadership and what did it all mean. And of course, through my journey, I've made all the mistakes 
trust me, or at least I think I've made all the mistakes. There are still more mistakes to be made and I do it all the time. So it's really been very much a journey for me. And then translating that into business, that's why it's kind of an unconventional business pursuit is this, this journey aspect. Yeah, I've shared the statistic that I'm going to share with you now here on, on other programs, Julian, but it's relevant here. Uh, and that is that in the U.S., the average age when someone gets promoted to manager is around 31. And the average age when they get their first leadership training is about a decade later. So with that as a backdrop for our listeners uh, and the audience in the U.S. who may be in that predicament, what advice would you have for them as they're going about their day-to-day, -day, struggling, learning from perhaps poor leadership right now and setting bad examples for them? Well, it, it, and part of it is, uh, so from the standpoint of the individual, you know, there are a lot of business books out there. And part of the, the exercise of being a truly good managerial leader is figuring out who you are. We refer to this as authentic leadership. I refer to it in the book as authentic leadership. Who am I really? Rather than, you know, there's a bunch of books behind me here. Rather than me taking a book off the shelf and trying to replicate someone that I'm not, I need to understand who I am. Why am I in this game? For example, if I don't really enjoy being around people, then I need to get out of the managerial leadership kitchen because I'm probably not going to be that good at it. And I need to find a role that fits me. It's not just about moving up and getting that extra paycheck. It's about I actually have to value managerial leadership. And so often that's not the case. So, so it starts with that authenticity. But then it's about getting back to basics. It's about what are the basic key elements, understanding what I'm accountable for. As a manager, I'm accountable for the output and working behaviors of my direct reports. What does that mean to me? What do I have to do around that? I'm accountable to build a team of increasingly capable direct reports. In other words, I have to grow them. Nobody comes perfectly formed. My job is to grow them. So understanding these elements, and I would suggest, if you'd like, actually read my book because that's the intent behind it, is to describe what does that journey mean. But too often, we rely solely on this training aspect. And my argument in the book is, is that the really important role to be played is the manager of managers and the leader of leaders. We can't rely on someone's sense of responsibility to take that on. It's up to our managers to point the way and to lead people. And leading leaders and managing managers is a lot more difficult than just leading a team. It's a different skill set. There are very few books on that, but that's where, that's where the energy needs to be. And the energy needs to be in this idea of a profession of managerial leadership, a common profession. I feel like this is my profession. My profession is I'm a managerial leader, not a finance person or an HR person or an operations person or a salesperson. That my my job is that. Yeah, Julian, you alluded to um, the early days of uh, your military career in the Canadian Army, but you worked your way up to brigadier general. Uh, are there any lessons that you draw from, any parallels that you you've gotten from the military that are implemented? and dovetailed into the business world? Well, it, there are so many. There are so many because it is, it is about human beings. So I can work in all sorts of different sectors. I don't need to have a great know-how in someone's business because that individual 
understands their business. I just have to have the right questions to ask to, to help them to understand. But, but I think that, you know, it's a, it's a tough question to narrow down in, in a short amount of time. But I would say that one of the most important parts of this is humility. If there's anything that I have learned, hubris is a dangerous thing in organizations and that leaders need to have humility because you're not going to get it right. You're not going to be perfect. You need to recognize that that's a reality. But by the same token, don't go over to the extreme where you feel like you're an imposter, that you're not real anymore. You need to be able to, to truly engage there and engage with true humility. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, Julian, my producers just told me we're coming to the end of the line here, so we only have a couple minutes to go. But I do want to give you the last word on this one point here, because in your book, you do mention that a great place to work is not just possible, it's in your hands, meaning in the reader's hands. Can you just speak to that as we wrap this up in the next two minutes? It comes back to that notion of professionalism, being professional, that if I really take it seriously and I don't just close the door and divest myself into my spreadsheets or whatever the case may be, that I actually embrace the idea of being that professional managerial leader and knowing that I'm on a journey and that I'm not going to get it perfect, that that's, that's the key to it all being within our grasp. That's awesome. Julian, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. We are out of time, but thanks again for joining us on Behind the Numbers. Well, thanks so much, Dave, for having me on. It's all the best. It's a pleasure. And we've been talking today with Julian Chapman, who is the president of Forrest & Company and also author of that book that we were just talking about, The Managerial Leadership Journey. Uh, definitely check that out wherever you get your books. Uh, big thanks to the producers, as always, in the back here to help me uh, look good, sound good. Well, maybe not look good, but hopefully sound good anyway. And uh, again, my name is Dave Bookbinder, and I'm the one that my clients turn to when they want to know what their most important assets are worth. Somebody asked me the other day, what does that really mean? It means putting a value on your business and your intangible assets. That's what I do for a living. Uh, the folks on Shark Tank brought the word valuation into your living room and made what I do sexy, dare I say. So if uh, you have any questions around that, certainly feel free to reach out to me. You can find me on LinkedIn. And uh, that's about it, folks. That's all we have for today. We will see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care.